All right, ring that bell. Let's start the show. Welcome to week five of Wrestling Chat with Friends, the Tuesday show. Thanks for joining us as always. I'm EJ the Collector. I've got my main man, the left-hand man, TG here. TG, how's it going tonight? It's going great. It is going great. It was a great week of WWE programming. Three big shows to talk about. First, thanks as always to our fans, however many are there out there. Uh, we want to grow the show, so go to Wrestling Chat with Friends on Facebook. Join our group. Go to at WCWFpod on Twitter and like and join us and follow us. Go on YouTube and go to our page, our YouTube page, Wrestling Chat with Friends. Subscribe, like, and most importantly, tell a friend. That's why we're here. All right. So, Tom, what a week. What a weekend. We got three shows to talk about and one giant moment in my opinion to talk about how do you want to tackle this do you want to sort of go chronologically and like kind of address smackdown do a pretty decent extreme rules review and then go into raw or give me your opinion or do you want to just get it after sounds it sounds like you've already laid out the blueprint so okay. why don't we just follow that okay so we're talking about three shows smackdown was on friday uh, october 7th it was the go home show before extreme rules saturday took place uh where did it take place it was in massachusetts right Worcester. oh great question gosh there's been a lot of wrestling since then it was yeah, here it is yeah Worcester, yeah. massachusetts yeah that's, that's right. where it was all right so let's yeah. a lot of it was some preparing for extreme rules mm -hmm. but there were some storylines that went down on smackdown that didn't get covered on extreme rules and raw so let's sort of cover it a little bit more succinct than we usually do but one thing that didn't we can talk about right now was the opening uh, segment, the confrontation, the face-off with Roman Reigns and the Bloodline. The Bloodline includes Paul Heyman and Sami Zayn. I still add his name, but uh, he is definitely part of the Bloodline right now. And Logan Paul came out to face him. Those two are facing off at uh, in Dubai in five weeks or so. So there'll be a month-long build-up to that. What do you think of that promo? How's Logan Paul looking? Uh, I know we have some some debate as to whether or not a face or a heel run for him is the right thing to do, but those two are going to go at it. We've talked about it a little bit, but just on the the, the promo itself, what do you think? Well, I think this is going to be something that is kind of a theme of talking about all of this content that we're about to discuss. But <clears throat> while, of course, the fiend, which we'll get to, is the most impactful and you know sort of hottest thing right now in, in wrestling or certainly in wwe the strongest story that they are telling is the story of the bloodline and quite frankly logan paul is incidental to the story as you said it doesn't really match you don't really have a uh, you have a guy who's a obviously a, a natural heel in logan paul and then you have Roman he's, Reigns, a heel. Who, he's a heel in every other aspect of his life uh, absolutely. And, and the thing that I liked, probably the, the little thing that I liked best about this particular segment was Paul Heyman, who is unbelievable on the unbelievable mic. Goat. Everything he said about Logan Paul is absolutely, is absolutely correct, which is he is essentially the 2022 equivalent of bringing in Mr. T and Cindy Lauper for WrestleMania one, which is to say, He's not really in this feud because it's a great story. He's in this feud because he has however many millions of YouTube and Twitter and Instagram followers, et cetera. 
and he brings new eyes to the product. He also was going to be, as we've talked about several times, he's going to be in the presumably the main event of this sort of almost non-canonical event in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. So it's so from that standpoint, it's a perfect fit. It's not yeah. a perfect fit from a story standpoint. But here's my big top line message about WWE right now. There is an incredibly tiny needle that they have managed to successfully thread. And this is a testament to certainly Triple H, uh, Paul Heyman, um, Michael Hayes behind the scenes, Vincent Mann from before. But most of all, Sami Zayn. Because the fundamental structural problem that they have is they have, number one, a unified champion. So you have one world champion on the men's side. And he's a guy who especially for a large part of the summer was, I don't want to call him a part-timer, but he had a pretty light schedule. So how do you book around that? Well, the way you book around that is you somehow figure out a way to create a story involving that guy that doesn't even require a feud. The fact that he is having a match with Logan Paul, it makes sense for all the reasons I just talked about, but it is entirely incidental to the core story that they are telling. And it is everybody involved is doing a great job, but Sami Zayn is doing the needless to say the best work of his career. And he's had a great career so far, but the fact that there is now a character who occupies that unique space has allowed them to have this story and perpetuate Roman Reigns, despite the fact that he is not defending his titles on a regular basis. So anyway. Sami Zayn is putting everybody over in the biggest way possible. He's putting Roman Reigns over at every turn. He's putting Jey Uso. He's making Jey Uso look even better than Jey Uso can do in his own right when he was main event Jey. He's putting Solo over huge uh, when he gets chances. And he's putting himself over. I tell you, it's there's a there's a brewing sort of feeling amongst you know the community on online that I sort of associate myself with that the reaction especially we got over the weekend through SmackDown and Raw it's feeling like it's a Daniel Bryan build to some to, but right before he had his WrestleMania moment now I'm not suggesting that Sami is going to be the one to dethrone Roman at WrestleMania but the, the getting behind him and supporting him as he becomes he's the foil right now but the expected comeuppance that he will get. Uh, it feels Daniel Bryan-ish. Do you, do you get any sense of that? A few weeks ago, we were talking about sort of long-term what was going to happen with Roman and, and so on. And I, and I said something like, I don't believe this is going to happen in terms of like a probability, but it is no longer absurd to think that the guy who could beat Roman is Sami Zayn, mm-hmm. which even four months ago, when Sami was still kind of you know involved, like at the beginnings of the same storyline, that would have seemed like oh come on, like Sami's great, but come on, that's not he's not a credible threat. Blah blah blah. He's yep. the guy who fought the jackass guys at WrestleMania, like which was entertaining, but he's not that guy. When he and again we're jumping around a little bit here uh, on Monday night when he said. Just, I hate to interrupt, like when Roman was talking, that was probably the second loudest pop of the night other than the, the Fiends, you know, being on the on the Tron. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, there is a groundswell here. And, and I will say this. This is one scenario where 
I trust Triple H a lot more than I would have trusted the latter day version of Vince McMahon. Thousand percent. Triple H, he, I think Triple H, if they are going to pull the trigger on some big face push for Sammy, because it's inevitable that's going to happen in some form. I think Triple H is going to be content to be like, let's let this play out until it reaches a crescendo and then we do it. I don't think you're going to see like all of a sudden, you know, because before I, I was I was convinced that it was going to be Survivor Series was when they do it. And now I'm like, they might keep teasing this thing out through like Royal Rumble and, and WrestleMania season. Who knows from that point? Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, let's not just dismiss the linchpin that could be Jay Uso in a lot of this too. Oh, he's outstanding. My yeah, favorite yeah. thing to do when I watch WWE now is, is when Sammy is talking, just watch Jay Uso's facial expressions. It yeah, is and it'll, incredible. From a storyline standpoint, he could play even a more critical point part. Maybe if there was some, if there was a family member to defect, it'll be him. Um, so we'll see how that goes. This okay, so I want to jump to the first of several debuts, re re premieres. Um, we saw a NXT team that I don't know too much about. I've heard of them, I know about them. Santos Escobar, and is it can you pronounce it for me so I don't embarrass myself? Is it Legal Legalo del Fantasma? It, as established last week, I'm a non NXT watcher, so I know only from like YouTube clips and like Twitter and. Just I'm vaguely aware. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen just clips of these guys, and if you're asking me to to tell you exactly what their name is, like I'm a dummy. I can't. I don't know. Anyway, well, I know they are a. Uh, it's Santos Escobar. He's got a couple of friends with him. They have a faction that has seems like a sort of like a little hit squad that made their presence felt against Hit Road. They're now on the main roster. I think we're going to see a series of. NXT roster call-ups uh, call in the kind of coming weeks. Man, I got to tell you, WWE is getting ready to turn the afterburners on, and it's going to be yeah. exciting. And there's a lot to, there's a lot to get to. Um, oh, my, my son's in the room recording this, and I, but I wanted to tell this story. They began, in the lead-up to Extreme Rules, they began some broadcast interruptions during the show with the white rabbit QR code. There was one Friday night... Um, don't know if this was shown, but it was maybe what the QR code was if you went to it. It was a 30-second clip of that mask that we'll reveal later. It had the fuzzy sort of disturbance page, and it just said, it was saying, let me in, let me in. It was the first, like, real confirmation that, okay, we know what's coming. And it was let me in about, for about 30 seconds in different pitches and different... I showed my son, he's 10 and a half. I said, Eli, Bray Wyatt's getting ready to come back. Do you want to see this? He had seen the other ones too. He was like 1030 at night. He was tired. The room was dark. We started watching it. He got legitimately, dad, turn it off, turn it off, turn it <laughs> off. I went to turn it off. I ended up turning the volume higher by accident. Accident. And my, my son was like semi-reduced to tears. It took him a minute to compose himself. I felt terrible that I had done that when I legit saw he's looking at me right now, like I'm telling the story. But I tell you, it speaks to the creepiness of it, of how creepy it was. Now, he totally he totally rallied, and it was fine. And when I showed him all the subsequent debuts, he loved it. So, But it, it was the most disturbing one for me, too. Oh, did I make you mad that I told the story? No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, like, that – so he legit scared a 10-and-a-half-year-old. He was completely watches the movie It and everything like that. Um, we'll get to his debut because I know we share some opinion about it. But anyway, some more. So they started doing that. They did that 
on Extreme Rules too. All right, so what so what happened next? Um, what else about SmackDown happened as I get back to my page? Well, I think that one one thing that was sort of um, I don't want to call it an afterthought, but it was I think with everything that was about to happen on Saturday and Monday, they were like, we need to pay this off, but we don't really have time to work it in. Was the backstage little segment where officially Max Dupree reverted yeah. to L.A. Knight mm -hmm. again? It was it was done in sort of a a very quick way, uh, and I'll be interested to see you know how this progresses as they move forward. But quick in the way all the other segments were too over the last few weeks, yeah. where you started teasing at these really forty. They're not going to give them. I wouldn't want to give maximum male models mat time to have a promo. These backstage ones are fine. And then in the mat, they've just been, they're kind of like hit road. They've been getting fed to people, but they're playing an important part. They're a conduit to LA Knight who's returning. So um, do you see LA Knight getting into a title scene immediately? Is he going to percolate for a while? I guess it's, Eli Drake can do quite a bit of things. So whatever direction he goes, and I think he's going to be successful. Question will be just like as this roster gets a little more crowded, and that's another thing we want to talk about later. Is will he be, have enough to warrant these prime spots going forward? When there are a lot of wrestlers who probably warrant it too. The one of the advantages that I think WWE has over AEW, and it's a double-edged sword as we have discussed in the past, is that they have a lot of prime time cable real estate more so than AEW does. And with AEW, you know, you basically got they have all their YouTube shows, Dark and Dark Elevation and stuff. But WWE has five hours, five hours. So if done correctly, a larger roster is more sustainable with WWE than it would be in AEW. So oh, yeah. I, I definitely think that there is a danger of him getting lost in the shuffle as some of these NXT people come up, especially. But I do think. They, they, there's a there's definitely a plan because if there weren't a plan they would have just been like you just stay as max dupree you know stay we'll stay with us for a few months and see where it goes with maximum male models so they obviously have a plan i just think it was the timing was such that they couldn't with a pay-per-view the next day they weren't gonna like yeah. launch a new story with him so an answer of, of where he goes i it looks like they're gonna they're gonna have him feud a little bit with maximum male models, and then from there, I could see him being in um, an intercontinental or U.S. title feud. Well, mm -hmm. for sure. I guess the only real uh, other highlight of SmackDown was another intercontinental championship match between Gunther and Sheamus. And personally, I'm surprised that SmackDown didn't go off the air with Sheamus kind of finally over taken uh gunther but nope he took the l again shenanigans of course and those two would go on to settle it the following day on extreme rules but um i was primed for a title change it didn't happen i was i was okay with the outcome because i think that they want especially now that triple h is in the mix i think that they really want gunther to be you know special in the way that he was special when he was in nxt and you know again non-nxt watcher but i do know enough to know that he like Asuka was mm -hmm. really, really pushed hard. Oh, was, yeah. You know, a long time uh, between, well, Asuka never lost in NXT, but, you know, it took him a long, long time before he was finally defeated. Um, in a great and, match, if you remember. Yeah. If you, yeah. That one I've seen. 
Because Ilya, Ilya, whatever his last name is, who's Drag, now in the, Dragunov. Yeah. Dragunov, who's now in the North American title picture. I know that, but yeah. Yeah, boy, boy. And that, and the thing about that match was, and I think about a lot of Gunther matches, and to a le- to some extent, like this match that we're talking about now, is it's just a, a a a particular style that you don't see that often with most WWE matches that I think is is really interesting. And it's different than like the Japanese strong style. It's 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 I guess you call it European. Yeah, um, European, right. Yeah. So uh as Mark points out, yeah, NXT UK where he was the champion for I don't know, two years or something. Something like crazy, that. Yeah. Until Dragonov beat him for it. Um so anyway, the the point is I don't I, I was fine with the outcome. I thought that the way that it was booked was like oh, it at a certain point, this is a little wrestling pet peeve of mine. It's fine to make your officials look, I don't want to say maybe like easily distracted or easily, you know, injured or whatever. That's a wrestling trope. It, you know, it's used for a variety of effects. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when they look incompetent. You know what I mean? Like not distracted, not something going on, but just, it, and and they really sort of put over that the that she was like, should maybe should have called for a submission uh, and i'm just like well i they either have to like make it clear what happened after the fact mm-hmm. that, details, details matter you yeah know? that's just a pet peeve of mine but otherwise i mean i mean another great match and the fact that you know you had the match coming up the following night when this one took place i think it was fine yeah so smackdown did another big number i think there is definitely but there's definitely a wide effect going on into through smackdown but uh two point Two and change, is that what it was? Did it go yeah, even it's between yeah. two, two and two, three million. Mm-hmm. That's a good number for a Friday night when there's baseball to watch also. Yeah. Okay, so uh, when they started moving uh, premium live events to Saturday night, which I love. We've spoken about it before, but I think it's great. Maybe not they're, they're not all Saturday night, I guess. But well, You brought that up last week, and I, I, I meant to look it up to see if that's a, a, a like an actual change that they're switching to, and I forgot. Mm-hmm. So I'm not yeah. sure, but I'm, I'm all for it. I'm As discussed, I like Saturday night. Uh, for, sure. for sure. The Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. You ever been there? Gosh, no. Nice arena, great arena. Yeah. And so they closed SmackDown with Sheamus and Gunther. They opened Saturday night with a six-man tag match, as they're wont to do. And it was a great one. Imperium and the Brutes going at it. They have this feud. You know, sometimes you get a match, you get a backstage segment, you get a run in in a singles match. Then you get these. These have been basically six man tags. It feels like every week for a few weeks, mixed in with the singles, Sheamus and, and and Gunther. It's been great, and they put on another banger. And this time, the brutes, the good guys, got the win in the end. Um, for some extremely at times unlikable characters, the brutes have just pulled it off. Sheamus is having this renaissance. Great match. I mean, I gave it four and a quarter stars out of five. It was early in the night, so maybe I was being generous, but I had it rated the highest match of the evening. It was it was exactly what I expected. It was great. No, I agree hundred percent with that. I think from a wrestling standpoint, I think it was my favorite match on the card. Period. So yep. yeah, I, I, th- those guys are great together. Again, those the styles that they have really mesh well. And what's one of the things that has changed has been a clear change since triple H took over is even though he's still for now called butch 
the character shift of Pete Dunne mm-hmm. from basically like a some kind of wild animal, I guess was was like the, what they were trying to put over to really. I mean, he is sort of be back to or close to back to being the character he was in NXT, which I think has been uh, a very positive development and, and bodes well for for the head moving forward. Notice this: uh, what is it? It was called a Donnybrook match. I think that was the mm-hmm. first Donnybrook match ever. So they had lots of weapons, lots of they had a bar that was destroyed in the first two minutes. Gunther did a great table spot toward the end of the match, and I think that was sort of the big moment. But uh, also, they pulled off a move where Butch did a backflip off the table onto a collection of wrestlers and i don't know if it's production or quality of talent but it didn't look like it does in other promotions where you see guys sort of hanging around you see him butch standing there waiting for them to get their attention and it looks completely choreographed that move looked like it they cut it right so it looked legit like no one it was a seamless move which is what you kind of were hoping for yeah and this is small small details that matter and you bring up a really good point, which I think ties into a, a larger sort of theme. I've, I've talked about this a little bit in the uh, the group chat and stuff, but the danger from if you're an AEW person, if you're Tony Khan, the danger is WWE has access to things that if they are clicking on all cylinders, they, they AEW cannot reach that level now. AEW is great in ring wrestling, and when they do really well, their shows are are very very good. Yep. But they can't max out at the same level that WWE can when WWE is is hitting on all cylinders. And what you just described is one of those little things that WWE is able to do that AEW can't do as easily or as often. And so one thing that again is I think another theme from this weekend, Friday through Monday is that as WWE starts to sort of um, regain its footing, and I think it's I think it's there already to an extent, but I think it's just going to get better and better, I, that is going to be something that's going to be increasingly a concern, not only from a television standpoint week to week, but also, as we've discussed, from the standpoint of the reasons for the, the median talent to decide to go to AEW instead of WWE, that list is has gotten shorter. It's not. Oh, yeah. It's not nothing. I mean, there certainly are, are still reasons to do that, but that list is is a lot shorter than it was six months ago. And that I think over the long haul is going to create some challenges that Tony Khan had not faced in the in the previous year and a half. Among among lots of things, Tony Khan should probably be a little bit concerned about right now. Just the fact that the the main impediment that WWE seemed to have had in the last two years that sort of helped propel AEW to where they were, the demand for a new product, the eyes and the interest, that's also been eliminated. The biggest challenge for WWE has been that I'm not calling, I'm not going to say right now Vince is a tumor, but that tumor has been excised and the body is healing nicely and it's going to be, it, it appears to be, a much better running organism now. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I am. I, I think a lot of times, whether it's wrestling fans or, or we're talking about politics or whatever, there is a temptation for people to say like everything is all or nothing. It's a ten or a zero, and I'm probably again one of the more generous. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm an apologist per se, but but I probably am more generous as, uh, to Vince 
McMahon than, than most wrestling fans are. But I would say, in the, you know, certainly in the past five to 10 years, there has been a, a decline specifically in the week to week consistency uh, of storytelling and sort of the, the long term booking mm -hmm. has been a problem. And that is that has distinctively changed since Triple H has taken over. And so yep. a lot of those related challenges of, as you said last week, you know, shows getting ripped up at five in the afternoon on the day of a show like that, that's not going to happen anymore. And just right. everything that entails, not only from the product that makes it to our television screens, but also to the morale of talent and organization and things like that. I think that is a major, major plus for WWE. That is, again, it's going to pay dividends both internally and externally. From yeah. Now until. Yeah. This, this, this deviation we just took was me just kind of saying out of nowhere that they are starting to turn on the afterburners and yeah, they really are. And it was, it was proven for the rest of the night. So let's continue covering sure. it. Uh, second match of the night was the women's SmackDown championship. Uh, Liv Morgan, who has done her best and, and gained the hearts and minds of thousands. Uh, but she was going up against, you know, the, the baddest woman on the planet and, the baddest woman can't lose three times in a row and keep that moniker. So um, as expected, Rhonda submitted um, Liv, new champ. I like the idea. I like the angle of her passing out. I think if she had tapped out, it might've been different, passed out. The creepy smile on her face was also just a good nod to keep, you know, I think they would, they did that to, I think that indicates that Liv's still very much in their plans, but it was time for a title change, probably time for some sort of, character change for live a little bit um and also this was just to move the storyline because it sounds like we're gonna have charlotte back and ronda's the one who needs the feud with her so you know i gave it three out of five stars it wasn't the greatest match i ever saw but i liked the way it sort of ended and had no real complaints with how it went yeah I, i'd call it fine i thought it was fine i think if you'll remember last week when we talked about this match I said I really wasn't completely certain about the outcome as far as win or law. I thought it could go either way. But the one thing I was sure about was that you were going to see, I said a heel turn, but some kind of character change with Liv. Yeah. And I think that's what you're going to get. It was She was in need of that. As you said, I thought she, she did a fine job, uh, but she is more of a, as a baby face, is more of a chase baby face than like someone who holds the title for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I think everything coming out of this match is entirely appropriate and a good sign for uh, the division and for live long-term. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, there was like a digital exclusive after the event where she was yes. seen in a fetal position in the hallway, didn't respond. And so, yeah, that's just further kind of teases that. And I'm going to guess you have some theories about that that we might talk about in a few minutes. Oh, sure. I'm, I've, got a, I've, got a, I've got a list of, of lots of theories regarding that. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, match number three, a little bit of a surprise for me, but I guess it sort of makes sense. Cross and McIntyre had their strap match. One thing from SmackDown, when, they, when Cross and McIntyre had their interaction on SmackDown, it went a little too long for, for me for a show before their match because basically they had like a mini strap match on Friday. So uh, this one was an extenuation of that. Um, I kind of, as predicted, uh, I think Cross went over. McIntyre, I think, is going to have to sort of find his footing again. He might get relegated to some mid-card feud for a while. But, you know, he's been in the top feud for a long time. But they are high on Cross. And um, I, I'm pretty sure after seeing that match, he was not going to be involved in any 
further revelations, at least at this time. But Cross is coming across, <laughs> coming is is coming out like he is a main event talent, and they're pushing him like that. Uh, good match, strap matches are cool, but it was a little bit of a letdown for me. I only gave it like two and three quarter stars because I felt like I saw the first fifteen minutes of it on Friday night. I thought the match was again fine. I think um, I don't know the, the I I think that the I hope that they do have one more match and that Cross goes over a little stronger than he did here. I think it would, it's yeah, fine. it would help. It's it's fine, of course, to have a heel you know get help, but I mean the like spraying pepper spray in somebody's eyes is is that's pretty extreme, no pun intended. And I, I'm I he should have won. To be clear, it was the right booking call. But I'm like, ah, they made him look a little, put it this way. The build for Karrion Cross, the return for him, he seemed like this menacing, mm-hmm. you know, nefarious force that could strike at any time and could, you know, put McIntyre or anybody to sleep. And ha- and relying on that level of assistance really in his first, I mean, is it his first match? I mean, I'm not counting the helmet yeah. era. But it's his, that was his first actual match, correct? Since he's come back, I believe is that so. right? I believe so. Yeah. So like he, he hadn't had a he hadn't had a Raw or Smack he hadn't had a SmackDown match. Yeah. No. So, so ha- having him require that level of help after such a strong build, I thought was a little much. But ultimately, the right call. I, I again, I do hope they have one more match. Uh, I, but the, the other point I was going to make was same thought as you. Once that was the third match. I was like, okay, whatever is going to happen at the end of the night is going to be disconnected from, because there was nothing else on the card where I felt like it was going to set up a story. Yep. Uh, which, which was, as we'll get to, was totally fine. But, but totally that was like, putting that third was kind of the clue. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and they're also trying to put Scarlet over too. Mm-hmm. So having her get involved in that also was fine. Um, just something you said when you were describing Cross, like, oh, give me Cross versus Orton. You know, at yeah. at WrestleMania, that's yeah. Those are, they're both they're both sinister. They both you know play head games, and I can see that being great. All right, let's move on. The other women's match, uh, Bianca versus Bailey. I kind of thought this was going to be a Bailey coronation and a damage control coronation. They had a, another great match. Um, I gave it three and a half out of five stars. It was fine, maybe a little more than fine. Bianca demonstrated her unbelievable strength and unbelievable charisma, and got the win. Um, they had some great table spots. You know, everybody got involved in it. Um, the double KOD was amazing. Bailey's KOD on the ladder that she took were impressive spots. And ultimately, Bianca went over. So she's going to remain champ. I thought of the two women's matches that in terms of the actual match, that this was the, the better of the two. Mm-hmm. I think, as I said a minute ago, I, I think that there's this temptation to be like, oh, Triple H can do no wrong and everything's great. I think he's been a significant improvement, but I think one one area where he has been a little lacking has been the... I, I don't really get what's going on with damage control because there was the whole... Th- it seems like there's there's behind the scenes there's been a difference of opinion or a sort of um, lack of full commitment to exactly wh- what their position is in the, in the roster. What I mean is this... Mm-hmm. So they have the women's title tournament and then they lose in the final. Surprisingly, it's like, okay, but then they win the titles a couple weeks later. Yep. It's like, okay, well, I guess that was sort of a eh, never mind that let's just pretend they won and you know they'll be long-term champions. And then it's like, as, as you said before, I think, 
you've talked on, on previous shows about all the gold going to damage control really set them up to be, you know, the premier mm-hmm. women's faction in WWE. And I wasn't, it, we talked about this, but I wasn't shocked that Bailey lost. What surprised me was that they set this up like Bailey was going to have her allies to help her and Bianca was not. And that's the way it played out. And Bianca still won even under those circumstances. I thought, I, yeah, go ahead. I get, the, I get the sense that they're going to, this is ultimately headed toward a, what, what Bailey should be is a face. I can, I had a moment after that match, I guess damage control came out too late. Uh, and and we'll, and we'll spoil it too. Bailey actually lost on Monday also for, well, for serving her yeah. her d- this descent, this you know lack of success coming off of the injury. It's I think they're going to actually damage control and Bailey. I think they're going to this tag team will attack Bailey at some point and let her be a face because that's what she does best. That's that's some long term booking, but Bailey's not. I don't think even getting over as a heel very much, and her strength is being a face. And I think this they may seize in this opportunity. It may they may not have had this as a grand plan, but like if you if someone like you or me can sort of see this, then it's a really it's a creative move because you know and and but I don't know what do you think? I, there's definitely something going on here because not so much because of the loss Saturday, but like you said, the loss Monday, where it's like, wait, why is she losing to her, to right Candace? I don't I don't get it. Uh, She'll blame them for not being there for her. And yeah, it's, but it's weird to me. It's like, okay. If, if the, if the goal is to get to her being a face all for it, Mm -hmm. but this is sort of a weird circuitous route to, to get there. I agree. I agree. And we'll have time to talk about it as weeks go by. Cause I bet they don't break this. Uh, we're told we need to, we've been told we need to move on because we have been 30 minutes in. We haven't talked about the big moment yet. So let's move. Good. This next segment, we can go by fast Baylor and edge. I, we knew how that was going to end. Uh, you know, neither one of them was going to quit until one of them had something out of their control. And Rhea was threatening uh, Beth with a chair. Of course, edge reluctantly quit and she still got the concerto. This doesn't seem over yet, and Ray and Dom are, you know, still haven't figured things out as, as of Saturday. Um, you know, we're just going to have to keep watching that. You know, any thoughts other than that, or can we just keep going? Good, good storytelling. Uh, mm-hmm. It was predictable, but you know, Edge is really good at this stuff, so I, I liked it. Yeah, throughout the night, Miz was having these encounters with Gritty, the mascot mm-hmm. for the for the Flyers. I think we all expected the his him to take the mask off and be Loomis, but it wasn't. Uh, he was just uh, gritty. Gets the assist for Loomis, and Loomis ends up choking Miz out again. It's so great. We still don't know why Loomis is doing it, but more of it. Um, pit fight, first one I'd ever seen. There have been a few in NXT. Uh, Daniel Cormier was there. He was getting physical with both of the guys, calling a clean match. Um, Riddle. You know, we had the we had the hindsight of seeing how it played out after Monday, which we'll touch on. Um, but yeah, I guess it made sense in the end, especially how the way uh, Rollins talked about it Monday. But good match, some good spots. I thought Riddle legit hurt himself when he went off the top of the cage there. But you know, solid main event, even though it wasn't the main event. Yeah, right. I thought the uh, the senton spot or whatever he calls it, uh, Bro- Broton, right? Yeah, it, that I was like. 
wow, that that's one of those where I felt like both guys probably like it probably hurt both <laughs> them mm-hmm. legitimately mm-hmm. for the for the visual. Uh, it was it was fine. I thought Cormier was a little awkward, like not didn't really maybe get it or I don't know. Yeah. But ultimately he was fine as the match went on. Uh, entertaining right guy won in that. I mean, you can say it's his environment, all that. So, you know, and it wound up being fine given what happened the following night too, as far as Rollins is concerned. So, yep. All good. So it was a quick finish and Daniel and, and Riddle are backing away. And this is where WWE is so good. When they do this, they actually flash the, you know, all rights reserved logo in the bottom left-hand part of the screen, which they typically do as they're going out for the night. Um, I mean, they got me maybe for a quarter of a second and said, okay, that's going to be it. No, of course not. The lights go completely dark. We've all, we all know what happened. No one who's happens to come across this show hasn't seen this, but there were lights. Then there was the, he's got the whole world in his hands chant, which I thought was a little strange because that's the dead giveaway, even though it was given away, but like, I would have liked to reveal, I would have liked to have gone a little bit further before the full reveal but either way, there was, and the crowd chanted. Then, and this is, I heard this, that the one of like a director who's very close with WWE, who did a lot of the stuff with The Fiend and Bray a few years ago, was there at the Wells Fargo Center, like making sure this went off right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, human like, human creatures representing his stuffed animals, the buzzard, the rabbit. Sister Abigail appear in different parts of the arena with spot- a, a very, very creepy huskus to pig, and a very, very, very disturbing huskus to pig. Yeah. It was, it was disturbing. The, the first, the way. first one showed. Or, yeah, yeah, he was the first one, and then they did. I think Mercy the Buzzard, and then the Rabbit, and then Sister Abigail was on the floor, and then the the, fiend. the burnt fiend mask is on the commentary table, yeah. sending Corey and Michael scattering. Did a great job. And then the f- someone in the fiend mask himself was lurking at the right on the rail, and then a door appeared on stage. There was a small, there was a video screen showing a dusty playhouse with creepy playhouse music. They cut to a TV, which was a broadcast sim, a uh, little broadcast interruption, which you and I yesterday talked about. For anyone who's our age and remembers, in the '80s when uh, a local TV station was hijacked with a Max Headroom. Um, Someone in a Max Headroom mask in their basement had hacked in. It's really interesting. Uh, go on YouTube and look for it. But we, yeah, we, we both knew about it because we're uh, we're on the just in the south side of fifty. Wow. Uh, anyway, um, more just music. for the record, you're a few years older than I am. But anyway, please years. continue. Uh, creepiness from the TV stuff that would have sent my son into tears again, and then back to the stage. Lights go out. The door busts open. The lantern a new mask which gave me lots of eyes wide shut vibes i gotta tell you and then mask reveal bray wyatt i'm here out cue music go dark you know i i I haven't i hadn't felt that way since cm punk's return last year um just that moment that feeling um uh maybe mjf perhaps yeah I mean, that's one of the sort of, if you look back the last few years, 10 years, that was among the best produced five minutes I've seen in a long time. The best moments of Bray Wyatt and The Fiend 
before he was released by the company. I think that was better than all, anything like that. It blew me away. A plus. It made the show a B to really an A minus just because of Bray. So he it was theatrical. It was fantastic. It creeped the hell out of me. It was great. What do you got? I I, I agree. First of all, I think it was really well executed. And it, and here's the thing. So to go back to the whole the Triple H Man thing. The biggest discrepancy and biggest improvement that we've seen, as I said, is the week to week, you know, shows. Yeah. Vince was during that era, they still put on some really good pay-per-views. I mean, wrestling oh, yeah. was always good and you know, oh, etc. Yeah. But Triple H has a really interesting thing that he has done in the three pay-per-views so far that he has he's booked. He has had a very specific, like extremely memorable moment happen at each of those shows. Mm -hmm. And this is something I think that over time, as that pattern continues, that people are going to, uh, you know, again, be, be sort of gravitate towards WWE because of like, we know that there's going to be some big memorable thing, whether it's a debut or a turn, a big visual, like, you know, Brock and the forklift and the ring at SummerSlam, et cetera. And I thought, again, this is, this was a home run. I, I think for me, I might have liked the the in-ring debut of the fiend slightly better. Like that entrance where he has the stretched out face, severed head lantern. Like that was pretty cool mm -hmm. and pretty hard, pretty hard to top. But this was excellent. This was A plus, great execution. Uh, and I think that the biggest thing about it, I would say, is when you build up these expectations for weeks. And it's it's mysterious, but also there's kind of a wink and a nod and people kind of know, but also hope it's going to be a particular thing. And then you pay it off. That builds up a lot of goodwill in your fan base, both new fans and established fans. And I think, again, very successful and opens the door because of how it was done for a lot of sort of um, speculation and excitement and interest about well, what's what's next because again blank slate as far as like he's not he's didn't show up and attack someone he's not setting up a program with someone and there's this introduction of and we've talked about this like all these characters are they like a one-off appearance to sort of set just for the entrance or his return mm -hmm. is it something they're leading they're paving the way to some kind of survivor series team is it a new faction is it what is it and all these questions you know, make you want to tune in to find out more. So great job. The, the blueprint for this is like when a either usually when a college football coach comes in, he's got his current, he's got his players that aren't his players yet because they're the previous administrations guys. It's going to take a year. You know, sometimes it takes a year or two in college football wrestling. It can take a few weeks. And we've right. seen that with triple H, um, especially just with the talent he's already brought in. Just here's a few names. You know, help me fill in the gaps. Hit Row, Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, who had losses last week and both picked up wins on Raw. Um, Braun, Str Braun Strowman. Dakota, yeah, Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai, Sky. Sky. Bailey was just returning from injury. Yeah. Um, Bray Wyatt. Uh, the Good Brothers. The, and then Monday with, Monday with the Good Brothers. So, yes, this is a college football coach going out and scouting and bring it and bring, put, putting together his coaching staff and his yeah. team. Meanwhile, and, the, the former starting quarterback now languishing on the bench, Austin Theory. 
Ooh, still, <laughs> he's, he's, he's still holding that suitcase though. It's going to mean something. You know, the, the success rate for cashing in for world titles is too high to dismiss the notion that he could somehow be world champion. But, uh, you know, uh, it was a, it was a great debut. I, I like you didn't think he'd be appearing Monday on raw, but I knew we were going to see something. We did see something. Um, so they just in segment, it was probably like segment. It was like just after the nine o'clock hour they did, they sh showed in replay in full, the end of extreme rules, the entire Bray Wyatt, uh, taking out the bleeps for the Holy shit that were, was emanating from the crowd. Um, when you have, I guess, people in different parts of the arena, you have mics there too. So it caught everything. And um, yeah, I mean, we're all grown ups here. We can handle the S word. Uh, but they, he, they did, there was another broadcast interruption signal during raw that um, happened later on the show. It was another like extended period where the TV max headroom came on. Yeah. Um, and that and one was very max headroom. Like if you watch those two things back to back, it's like, wow, they're really, I mean, they're le really leaning into that. Yeah. Max headroom. If you don't know what we're talking about again, go on YouTube, max headroom TV hacking. Yeah. In the eighties, it was, uh, it was almost as creepy as Bray Wyatt. Did he, did it, did a young Bray Wyatt perhaps, he was probably, well, he was probably too young. He was I was going to say, that was like 1986, so he yeah. might have been like two years old or something. Quite, yeah, prob probably not him. All right, so, um, oh, yeah, we didn't talk about new new commentary teams. Uh, Stu, Way Barrett on SmackDown, I like that. He's, yeah, me too. He's great, he's established. We now have Kevin Patrick on the Raw, and as we talked about, that's going to take some getting used to. I can see that being uh, an issue with a lot of people, not because he's not an American, but just like it's a different sound to kind of get used to. And it's not what people typically are hearing um, outside of an interview. So yeah, it's going to be, and he was, you know, first time he did all right, but you know, you're, I'm going to want to see some steady improvement. You know, I'll know when it's okay when I don't notice it anymore, but I noticed it the whole time. It, yeah. And I'm with you. And it's just such a transition from, cause correct me if I'm wrong again, not a huge NXT guy. Has he ever done play-by-play -play for WWE before? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I, I, me too. I mean, I've seen him do hosting stuff and then backstage interviewing, which I think he's fine at. Play-by-play -play is very different. Like, even from – you can go from interviewer to color commentary. I think that's a fairly smooth transition for a lot of talent. Play-by-play -play is a very specific skill set. Di much more – it's much different, more different from – even color than, you know, color mm -hmm. is from backstage interviews. Mm -hmm. So this was Raw was in Brooklyn. Our friend, our friend Victor and the wrestling club were in the house, all 20 of them. Uh, it was, it's awesome. And like a little spoiler, we are working on maybe getting Victor to come on next week to talk about his experience. I was in communication with him. It's his birthday next week. So he may, he may get some plans of the weekend that will preclude him from joining us Tuesday, but hopefully he might come on uh, either next week or maybe soon just to kind of touch with Victor again. The wrestling club was trending on Twitter for a while on Monday, which is great. Um, and if you don't know about our friend Victor Perry, go to at Wallflower, Wallflower Perry on Twitter. He's a teacher in Brooklyn. He's got his wrestling club. He's one of the bigger feel-good stories of, of the year um, in the sort of internet wrestling community. A lot of people know him and are supporting him, including um, some WWE guys who have come and visited uh, his classroom. Sasha Banks did. Um, and... 
Keith Lee did actually in Swerve from AEW. So he's great. All right. Gargano beat Theory, and I didn't watch the match. How was it? It was good. It was those guys uh, work really well together, I think. And both of them are are really good in-ring talents. I think, you know, again, this this is where I, I probably am a little bit more of the Vince mindset. But the thing about Gargano is he's like a small dude. And I think it's fine. And there's certainly a place for him, a talented guy on the roster. Uh, I think, oh, it's upside down. Yeah, oh, this came from, from wrestlingcrate.com, one of the things you get. A little Gargano pin. Yeah, so I think I think right now, I think it makes sense that he's getting this push because he debuted. He should be winning. Mm -hmm. But it's just really, really interesting to see what has happened to Austin Theory. And I think that I think the no pun intended, the theory here along the lines of what you said a minute ago is. If you got the money in the bank briefcase, you can you can lose a bunch and you still are relevant. And mm -hmm. he's not the first guy to get booked like that, to, to be honest. Oh, yeah, when, definitely not. When Dolph Ziggler had the case, I felt like he lost like every week. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. um, it, but it, it was a good match. Bottom OK, so Ray beats Chad. Ray Mysterio beats Chad Gable and outroll the Judgment Day, outrolls Dom. He's begging him to hit him. He's slapping his dad. Uh, and then, kind of nice surprise, AJ Styles comes out. AJ seems to be the next target of the Judgment Day. And for a hot moment, it looked like he was going to submit to Finn and join the Judgment Day, despite how weird that would have looked. It, 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 it would have worked. It wouldn't have worked so bad. I'm glad it wasn't fooling me. Um, what I didn't see coming, even though I had sort of heard a little bit about it before Raw last night, were the return of Doc Gallows, Machine Gun, Carl Anderson, uh, the o the OG. They're the OG, right? They're, but they the were the good brothers. The, the OC. OC. The original right. club is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, they came and have AJ's back. Once again, they got into a scrap. So this feels like it could be a Survivor Series thing building. Mm -hmm. um, AJ deserves to be in a prime program always because he's great. And, you know, Edge, I don't know if this is more time off for Edge or if Edge will come back into the fold at some point, but, you know, an Edge and AJ and Mysterio and the, and the OC, I can get down with that. Yeah, it, there's. I think that it is definitely building towards some kind of Survivor Series match. There's still an open question about what the configuration is going to be. Uh Look, Mark may disagree, but I am probably a bigger fan of those guys as a tag team than most people are. I, I loved their original WWE theme when they first came in, and then they changed it. I did not like the way they were booked. I mean, under Vince. No, it was, another, it was another, another example. They're not a comedy yeah. act. They were getting yes. booked like a comedy act. That, you know, if, if people who were really turned off by that, they just you know you need to get to see them when they and they were in AEW for a hot minute. They were in Impact. They were Impact champions. They went to Japan. I think they were, and that's there. That's where they're most comfortable in Japan. They've been on Impact. Their AEW run with Kenny was great when they had this, um, but their their contracts were up with Impact, and they were available to come in. And it's it feels I want them back in WWE as long as they're not how Vince booked them, and I'm confident they won't be. They they, they will be rehabilitated so to speak their characters yeah as as mark points out anderson i think he currently holds a title in new he Japan. is the, he is like the never never open champion yeah. right now which yeah. 
which I don't know if that causes what kind of conflict that causes because Tony Khan has multiple partnerships with people in Japan, but it's you know it's it's neither here nor there. They wouldn't have done it if there was any legal issue around it. I I'll, I can make this prediction confidently. You you will not see Carl Anderson wearing that title on WWE. No, definitely, so definitely, that's, definitely that's not. Sure. Um, but I, I I it's always good to have another uh, tag team in the division that's that's obviously really strong. I think again one problem that you run into with the tag division, much like the the WWE Universal Titles is. As great as the the you know the bloodline storyline is, and I, I have no complaints about it whatsoever, it does to some extent compromise your ability to book things. And and one of the reasons you know is because you have all the titles are are held by these three guys, and so you bring in a great tag team, and there's really not a lot for them to to do. But that's okay for right now because, as you said, yeah. this is this is going to be focused on a feud with Judgment Day building to survivor series and one other thing i'll say about this is one thing that's interesting to me about judgment day and sort of their evolution and it's even more clear now sort of after uh this weekend is they have become anything that was sort of even hinting at supernatural or demonic elements is essentially gone which is a good idea because you can't do what you're going to do with Bray Wyatt and have this other mm -hmm. faction that sort right. of it is, you know, it, the Venn diagram overlaps a little bit. You don't want that. So that, again, is a smart call. Definitely. No doubt about it. All right. Well, we're coming up against the hour, but we'll talk about two more things from Raw. And one was we talked about last week how they were going to handle the Bobby Lashley, Seth Rollins match, given the circumstances coming out of extreme rules. So Seth took a loss. He's taken a couple of losses. He wasn't on a particular hot streak. And he sort of out of nowhere said he wanted gold back a few weeks ago, which I think he does. I think he is always better when he's in a title picture. Um, so him and at Lashley were set for Monday. Lashley is over. He's he's been a great steward of that title, challenging it, you know, week after, putting it up for challenge week after week. So a really over seemingly dominant Lashley. Going up against a hurt, wounded Seth Rollins, we all kind of felt Seth needed the title. We just didn't know how they were to get from A to B. And Triple H knew, and that was and thank God Victor and the kids were there too because we saw the return of the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar. We said last week they were not going to bring him out because they're not going to debut Bray and Brock at the same time. Well. You know, that's why we're not, uh, you know, employed by WWE or trusted with anybody. Oh, there's to make these there's decisions. so many more reasons why we're not employed by WWE. But no, yeah, I think that's that's the only thing holding me back. I think that's the <laughs> only thing holding me back. Short of that, I'd probably be, you know, Nick in Nick Khan's uh, position right now. Yeah. So I think this this run of Brock, not with Paul Heyman, the cowboy bit, you know, whatever. It doesn't bother me that much, but. Giving him a microphone, he's been talking, he's been more comfortable than you ever heard him before. I get why maybe when his younger years, we didn't need him talking, he wasn't very good. Uh, but I think this has been some great work, him coming out with sort of a good-natured Brock who can still be an absolute beast when he wants to be. I'm fine with it. Brock Lesnar in, in a non-title program is something that I think we've clamored for for a while because I think he'll excel in it. Lesnar and Lashley in a program, again, maybe an extended one this time. I'm all for it. It's great. 
I am a huge, huge Brock Lesnar fan. I think that while this isn't necessarily my favorite version of him, I still like him a lot. The interesting thing about Lashley to me is, and I think this is a testament to him as a performer. He is over, he was he was a heel with the Hurt Business, RIP. Sorry, Mark. Heel with the Hurt Business, and then he was a heel on his own or from the Hurt Business with MVP. Turned face, got himself over, and the the key for me is he really hasn't been in a feud of any kind, like in months. And that is really interesting that a guy could could stay as over as he is and get as over as he is as a face without being in a particular program yeah. with another wrestler. So yeah, uh, yeah this is going to be really interesting. I'll be curious to see if this is like a hotshot one-off thing that they're going to do just for mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia or, if, like you said, that they really do want to make this a long-term program that goes, you know, who knows, through Survivor Series, through – uh, you know, maybe Royal Rumble. I don't know, but probably not that far. But yeah, I hope we get some some good weeks out of this. Lesnar injured Lashley to the point where he probably shouldn't have continued, but Seth taunted him, made him defend the title, and it cost and it would cost him the, the victory. You get the title yeah. off Lashley. You, he comes out still looking strong, even though he was beat down by Brock Lesnar. What are you going to do? And Seth grabs his title and explains in an interview later that it was all part of a master plan. Those two are great storytellers. It's I'm all for it, whatever they both do. You talked about the importance of details. The taunt by Seth Rollins questioning Bobby Lashley as a soldier, mm -hmm. I thought was beautiful. Loved it. Uh, really, really good segment. Yeah, Mark wants a uh, triple crown match at Crown Jewel with Lashley, Lesnar, and Goldberg. Like I, I, w I wouldn't put it past anyone who's you know even related to the McMahons by marriage, but I, I, I really <laughs> hope that doesn't happen. Uh, here's a little treat for our producer cheats here. Uh, Elias is going to return next week. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I hope he doesn't go right into a program with Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens, I hope, is beyond this. But you know, they're going to. Here, here's the thing. Okay, we'll talk about this real quick. Oh, by the way, DX appeared. Cool. You know, whatever. I don't need that. Let's talk about this one thing real quick before we go. The return of Brock Lesnar. Say if it's for a run through WrestleMania. Bray Wyatt, who we're going to have, those two take up a large chunk of TV time. Guys like Elias, guys like Santos Escobar, guys like Carmelo Hayes, who wrestled a dark match before Raw went on the air at Brooklyn last night. He may be getting a Ray Monster call-up. Uh, if Wyatt surrounds him, well, whatever Wyatt does will be great, but if he brings up some NXT guys, you know, who knows if it'll get to affect guys like McIntyre or Riddle who may after these next few feuds, but that's going to take, you know, what's uh, what, what are the street profits going to do? What are the Viking Raiders are going to do? What are, you know, it's those two. I want those two on my TV because they're going to draw the most eyes at times. They're the most fierce and dominating, but it is going to be even more crowded than they've had with a real purpose that, some of these guys might, you know, before, oh, Vince, Vince might see me in the hall and realize I'm gonna put me in a program. Who knows? I could be doing this. It's not gonna happen with Triple H. He's he has a blueprint, he's got the right team. So, like some we might find some people shuffle down a bit. So let's end on that note and talk about what do you think is the sort of like what what give me a couple of things you think are gonna happen that 
we're not even talking about right now before, say, WrestleMania comes as a result of this of this weekend's events? Well, I think the big thing, as I've said in the past, is I think there's a – to get from Survivor Series to WrestleMania, there's a plan A and a plan B or, or however you want to frame that. There's a scenario where The Rock is in play, and there's a scenario where, which is probably the more likely scenario where he's not in play. And I think that that is, is going to be kind of the big question. And so along the lines of what you were just saying, the biggest question for me and something we haven't talked about at all, not once have we mentioned him during this program, is within under the umbrella of Vince guys and Triple H guys and maybe some guys falling down, what in the world happens with Cody Rhodes when he comes back? Because he was being pushed to the moon – Deservedly so. Peck. Yeah, deservedly so. Tears his peck, even though I hate his promos, as we know, but that's a topic for another day. Uh, f- fantastic feud with Seth Rollins. Amazing match with the torn peck. But I-, I think that he was more of a Vince guy. And he and Triple H, of course, have it's it's they have a weird, complex relationship. And that's that, why it's that, really better, than, better than his with Punk. But yeah, it's oh yeah, oh, but, God, compl- yes. but complicated. Yeah, but yeah, com- mm-hmm. complicated and complex. And Triple H is also a guy who, if there is any sort of like awkwardness or, or difference of philosophies or whatever, Triple H is the guy who will put that aside for what's oh, yeah. best for business. So that probably, to me pro- is probably probably. So that to me is the, is the biggest question because if the if we are in a world where it rocks off the table, uh, and we're looking for what that WrestleMania main event is going to be. Mm-hmm. If Cody's in the mix, then I think there is a, there's kind of one trajectory. If he's not in the mix, you've got a host of guys that Triple H, I think, believes in and is, is elevating or who are getting themselves over and could be in that mix. And that to me is going to be the, the biggest question for me is, is Sammy in that conversation? I think yes. I think I he's think, some version. There is a version of the future where he's in that conversation. There I is think certain, Sammy's in it. I think Kevin Owens is in Kevin it. Kevin Owens, I think, Bray I think Wyatt, Finn, Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, yeah. There's and you know when Randy carrying cross, carrying cross, Randy Orton. Yeah. Right. So so the point being that guys that we aren't talking about right now, where do they fit in that pecking order with, you know, every with. People coming back from injury and Triple H at the helm. How does that sort of hierarchy shift? And I think we've already seen it with just to finish on this point. We've already seen it with a couple of guys who it's like Drew McIntyre was always going to get a big push leading up to Wales, leading up to Cardiff. Yep. But he is he is a guy that Vince loved, and I think Triple H is fine with. But I don't see him as as being a guy who remains like Mm -hmm. a serious world title contender on a perennial basis as he has been the last couple of years. Uh, Bobby Lashley was, he was a guy that Vince loved. And I think Triple H, you know, definitely still believes in Bobby, but it's like, what is the future hold for him a year, year and a half from now, or even like come WrestleMania time. Same thing with, you know, Austin theory, what happens with him long-term? He, I think has more of a future because he super talented, super young. I, 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 I have a much stronger feeling about him. Like he'll be fine. But Cody Rhodes, uh, the other guys I named, like what happens? And, and I think there's mm-hmm. an open question about that. We've got uh, Crown Jewels, the next 
pay-per-view that's like November 4th or 5th or 6th. So we'll have a few, we'll have a few raws to and SmackDowns to review over the next few weeks. We went uh, a minute three, like we, an hour three, like we usually do. Uh, TG, thanks for coming on as always, man. Hope you continue Absolutely. to do so. We may have a good uh, guest next week. Um, we may have our friend Ali yeah. back next week too. So um, on the Thursday show, we count it out. On this show, we submit, cap it out. We're done. We'll keep talking WWE next week. Go follow us on the socials. And thanks a lot, guys. See you next week. Appreciate it.